You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. You're listening to the CRX Podcast. The CRX Podcast provides an added benefit for healthcare professionals and readers of the CRX Magazine, a leader in reliable information and news about medical cannabis. The CRX Podcast will provide the latest discussions about cannabinoid products as part of a patient's treatment plans and deliver the latest education about medical cannabis for pharmacists, physicians, and innovative healthcare providers. Hello, everyone. This is Joseph Friedman, pharmacist with the CRX Podcast. I'm very excited about the topic we're going to be discussing today. I've got a couple of content experts that I'm sure everyone's going to enjoy hearing. Uh, We're going to be talking about cannabis and sexual health. And with me today is Mindy Medeo, a doctor of pharmacy from Utah, and Lisa Mann, a cannabis advocate who's got a tremendous amount of experience in the industry as well as in the industry of sexual health. So with that, uh, I'll just let, you know, Mindy, go ahead and spend about a minute and tell us about yourself. Uh, Hi, thank you for having me on this podcast today. Um, I'm Mindy Medeo, and I've been a pharmacist for 20 plus years. I've always had a um, a fascination with um, plant medicine and herbal remedies in place of traditional pharmaceuticals. And I have been able to spend the last um, couple years working exclusively with with cannabis patients. Utah just had passed um, our medical cannabis program. So I've kind of been with working with that since the beginning. I have opened two different cannabis pharmacies and um, I do have like a um, fascination with um, women's health and sexual health. And there's not a lot of women in my industry right now in Utah. So I feel like I've, I've kind, kind of emerged as someone who's um, a little bit more of an expert in that area. So thank you for having me on. Sure, and Mindy, just a quick question. Uh, is there a pharmacist mandate in Utah? Yes. So when so there's only about 14 cannabis pharmacies in the whole entire state. And every patient that gets admitted into the medical program by a doctor's recommendation um, will have to come and meet with a pharmacist. So I sit down with every new patient for about 20 to 30 minutes and we review um, their dosing and the different products we carry. And then we offer follow-ups as well. So those patients that need a little bit more assistance um, um, can come into the pharmacy. A pharmacist is uh, required to be in the pharmacy at all times as well, just kind of like a traditional pharmacy. Fantastic. And and Lisa, man, Lisa and I uh, were on a radio program uh, just as COVID was getting underway in Chicago, the Ben Jarofsky uh, radio show. And uh, we discussed uh, cannabis and sexual health. And Lisa was quite the content expert. So Lisa, why don't you spend uh, about a minute and tell us about yourself. Hi, Joseph. Thank you for having me on this podcast. I'm honored to be here with you and Mindy to discuss a very important topic. So my name is Lisa Solomon Mann. I curate cannabis education events for the Chicago Reader and am building out the medical and scientific resource pages for the Marijuana Hall of Fame website. I've approached health and wellness from a holistic perspective for about 20 years now and have been moving more and more towards plant-based medicine and other natural remedies. I have a background in clinical psychology 
and have counseled survivors of sexual abuse, preschoolers, adolescents, and adults. And I learned that there are so many layers of emotion involved in being able to engage in healthy sex when someone is of an appropriate age, and even more so to be able to stay present and to enjoy it. My medical cannabis research began a few years ago when the list of qualifying conditions in Illinois, where I reside, opened up and people started reaching out to me to ask questions. I started researching the topic, attended medical cannabis, education conferences, took online courses, had the pleasure of speaking with pharmacists like yourself and physicians and other holistic practitioners, and really collecting a lot of anecdotal uh, stories from patients. So I look forward to our conversation today. Thank you. Super. Uh, and so with, with that, let's just jump right into it. Uh, you know, there's a number of sexual problems and sexual health conditions which cannabis may be helpful or even harmful. You know, some of the examples of the ones that are helpful include endometriosis. And there was an article on endometriosis and cannabis in a, a prior CRX magazine article. Uh, fibroids, sexual assault, uh, dyspareunia, uh, transgender, and LGBTQ sex barriers. So, you know, you know, Mindy, can you comment on you know these conditions where it could be helpful? Uh, sure. So, a lot of these conditions, um, we've got a lot of inflammation, and we do know that that can, cannabinoids will um, help the um, they're great anti-inflammatories. We're just kind of learning where exactly they work in that process and research is still coming out. But endometriosis especially, there's a lot of inflammation happening there um, and also a lot of pain. Um, so a lot of these conditions also um, have some, some pain, um, nerve pain, nociceptive pain, as well as inflammatory pain. And um, yeah, I, and I also feel like there's other like menopause, um, just unexplained pelvic pain, all those things are also helped with cannabis as well. And, you know, one of the conditions that, that I did mention was sexual assault and transgender and LGBTQ sex barriers, you know, yes. um, you know Lisa or, or Mindy, you know, can, you know, feel free to comment on that because this is a little bit outside of the, you know, the anti-inflammatory and, and, and pain reduction effects of cannabis. This is Lisa. I'll speak a bit about survivors of abuse. There is a tendency for people who have experienced abuse, whether it be sexual, physical, or emotional, to feel more anxious than the average person when it comes to being intimate with someone because a great deal of trust is needed to feel comfortable in that situation. So for many people, cannabis can help them to relax. And people have used it in different forms. Some people prefer inhalation just before. Some people prefer a topical because there is some that is absorbed into the body to help people relax, in addition to the localized relaxation support that it can give for people who might, for women specifically, who might tense up. Uh, this is Mindy. I just wanted to add um, that we also think of you know, PTSD is a, um, treated by cannabis. And we sometimes think, when we think of a, a traditional PTSD victim, we think of war veterans, but there are a number of women that are survivors of sexual abuse and assault um, that cannabis is great for. And, and this has the added benefit of allowing them to have um, um, satisfying sex as well, so. 
Great, great. And, and you know what, one of the things and then, and, and, you know, I remember this when I was younger, that, you know, cannabis and libido, um, you know, <laughs> go hand in hand. I mean, cannabis really enhances libido. So, you know, can you can you comment on that, Mindy? Um, yeah, so there, there have been a number of studies where the libido for both men and women are in generally they're they're increased with the use of cannabis. But you have to be careful with your dosing. If you have too much cannabis, sometimes that effect goes away. So it's all about finding the right dose just with, with all cannabis medicine. Great. And I know, Lisa, you've probably got a comment about that as well. Yeah, I want to make sure to bring up the biphasic effect because some people will use cannabis to enhance the mood or decrease anxiety. But if they go past their tipping point, if they have issues with anxiety, it could greatly increase their levels of anxiety. That has been found to happen in a lot of people in using cannabis in any situation. You know, it's interesting that, you know, we use cannabis for anxiety, but cannabis can cause anxiety. And this is where sexual health is concerned. So we, it's all dependent on dosing. Is that correct, Mindy? Yes, that's absolutely correct. Um, yeah, and it, it's nice. It's, it's important to select dosage forms where you can find your proper dose. And that's why you'll notice that the edibles are often not recommended for this purpose because it's, it's hard to, it's easy to overdo it. Um, usually the inhalation route or very small microdosing with tinctures are a little bit more beneficial than an edible. Okay. This is Lisa. I might also suggest that if someone is with a newer partner and wanting to use cannabis for better sex or to allow themselves to do it without so much anxiety, that they consider experimenting with it home alone in a masturbatory session to see how it affects them. So they're not surprised. Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. I think I think solo, try, whatever you're trying out, you need to try out solo first, for sure. That's an interesting concept. I have not heard that before. Okay, so say, you know, <clears throat> there's a young couple and they're enjoying cannabis for sexual pleasure, libido. You know, there's no real health issues, but, you know, they're concerned about having a baby. So, you know, what does, you know, what does, how does cannabis affect, you know, uh, you know, male sexual, you know, sperm count and female sexual, you know, function from that standpoint? Uh, go, go ahead, uh, Lisa. I have read a number of studies and the evidence, evidence can be found at both ends of the spectrum. There are some studies that say it can cause erectile dysfunction Others say, mm, not so much. And there are plenty of studies that say it lowers sperm count, and there are some that contradict that. A lot of these studies are with small sample sizes, and especially the ED studies, it's self-reported, and I don't think they're collecting enough history in terms of what was typical for the patient before. So we really need some good studies on all of this. Yeah, great. And, and, and I think, you know, we're really not going to know the answer. And I've seen these, these, uh, you know, various studies showing, yeah, decrease in sperm count, no effect on sperm count. So small sample sizes is certainly something that's a problem, you know, when these types of studies are done. Um, what about, um, you know, you know, in what way, if any, does stress reduction potential of cannabis bring secondary benefits 
with respect to sexual behavior or inhibition? I mean, is there an inhibitory effect? Uh, Mindy. Um, yeah, so I, I think that um, the effects of cannabis are more indirect, um, where it helps with um, stress, it helps you relax, it really helps you connect with your partner, and it allows you to be very present and in your body and just focused on what you're doing at the moment. So I believe um, cannabinoids can have effects on some of um, the hormones that are released um, from our hypothalamus and our sex organs. And, but I, I really do believe that most of the effects are coming from these indirect um, anxiety, reducing, relaxing um, effects that we also see. There's also some um, indirect neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin that can be affected as well. I right. and, and we know that dopamine is the pleasure center, you know, for the mm -hmm. brain. So, you know, that, that, that gets enhanced, but uh, Lisa, you were going to comment. Mindy, I completely agree with everything that you just said. And what's interesting is that a lot of the studies, again, some small sample sizes and not all scientifically, you know, done as well as they should be when this is all legal, but they were showing that people that consume cannabis on a regular basis, moderately, not heavily, seem to maintain those beneficial effects of lower anxiety and more pleasurable sex, even if they do not consume just prior to intercourse. Oh, that's interesting. Great. And, and you know what, let's, let's talk about, you know, if, if you go to a bar and you're a guy and you drink a lot, you know, there's that, you know, uh, desire increase in sexual risk behavior in the development of STDs. Does that kind of thing happen with cannabis? I think, I think it can, I think it definitely can. And I think with all um, consuming of substances, um, there should be talks about consent and boundaries and um, protection. And that's just something that we need to, to do before we um, really engage in any sexual activity. And it should be done without any substances. Um, too much of cannabis can make us sleepy and maybe affect our decision-making, I would, I would think. When I think about this, when I think about this, I think of alcohol releasing inhibitions. And so you're going to go do what you want to do. Cannabis is more inhibitory. So, but at least you were going to say something. Um, yes, it's interesting that while we have very strict laws about when you can give consent with how much alcohol in your system, there are no rules and regulations yet for cannabis. Part of that being they don't really know how to test for it, what all the blood levels mean. So what Mindy said, it is very important to set the guidelines before you consume. And I also want to point out that a lot of these lubricants that are cannabis, that include cannabis, are not safe to use with latex condoms. So just be fully aware of that. You will need to find another type of condom or not use the cannabis lubricant. Interesting. Is that because of the, the, the cannabis itself or because of the, the, the oils and the lubricants that are used that everyone knows or should know they shouldn't use with condoms? Most of the cannabis lubricants are oil-based, and that is the reason. It's the oil that will break down the latex. Thank you for clarifying that. And, and the oil is very important for the THC um, to be, because um, the, the, the cannabinoids are very lipophilic, and they need an oil base um, to properly 
um, for their formulation. So it's really, it's not ideal to use a water-based lubricant with cannabinoids. And, and, and Mindy, you know, we're talking, we're on the subject of, of sexually transmitted diseases. Is there any research or evidence that shows cannabis can be effective for treating these, these, these infections? Yeah, I've, I've actually seen, um, there, I've seen an animal study with CBD or CBD has been shown to kill gram negative bacteria, which is very exciting because that's traditionally a bacteria that's hard to treat. Um, and that's what's in gonorrhea, um, MRSA, meningitis. So I do feel like there's certain cannabinoids that um, can treat infections. We, we obviously need a lot more research. Uh, I also think that some of our STDs and inflammation, um, like herpes and chlamydia, inflammation is kind of wrapped up in, in those um, diseases. And I think in general, we're finding out that the endocannabinoid system has a lot of effect on our immune system. So that could help with um, something like the genital warts. Or I think, I think there's um, future research to be done, and I, I feel like there might be something out there, but not yet. Lisa, do you have any comments on that? No, I was so focused on the next thought I had, which was about the terpene content in the cannabis that people are using for sexual enjoyment. We've seen so many cannabis strains with increasingly high levels of THC because some people think that's going to enhance your experience. But a lot of people report that having something with a wonderful terpene profile and a more balanced CBD and THC level can really enhance someone's high. And I would assume that would translate to sexual enjoyment. So that's something that I want people to be aware of. It's not just the THC. Are either of you aware of anything related to terpenes other than, you know, linalool, which is known to relax people? Are there other terpenes that people should look for if they are looking to utilize cannabis to enhance their sexual experiences? Yeah, there, there definitely are. Um, limonene is kind of the one that I've um, been looking at a lot lately. And, and I think the best chemovar for sexual enjoyment would be a, a sedating strain and relaxing strain with some myrcene to help with the relaxing and then limonene and limonene, limonene has this really uplifting euphoric effect. So strains like um, do -si do or wedding cake, um, strawberry cough, they all have limonene in them. And I think those would be good ones to start with, but I will say everyone's different. So, and it's also important to remember that it, you have to think about the effect that you want. So if you want to be more calm or if you want more focus and energy, um, not all sexual experiences are the same. So you, so you can base, um, choose your chemovar based on the experience that you want and the things that you need. And, you know, I just want to make sure everyone understands that you just don't take a cannabis cream or ointment or salve and, and put it on your, your gentle um, warts. You know, we, we need, you know, yeah. Mindy said that we need research and, and you just don't think people shouldn't think that they can just slap the stuff on and the infection is going to go away. So we want to make that perfectly clear. Uh, yeah. So what are some of the takeaways for clinicians that, you know, we can share you know, with these doctors who treat patients um, that have concerns about sexual health. Mindy. I would say um, that it's important for clinicians to be very transparent about how mixed the research is and also encourage patients. They can try this, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work or not. 
And, you, you know, we also have to be careful about the legalities. I know in my state where I work, um, you, I can't really recommend cannabis to be used to increase sexual pleasure. I can recommend it for um, dyspareunia, which is painful intercourse. Um, anything having to do with pain, I could recommend it for. Or PTSD, I could recommend it for. But you do have to be careful um, how you present it. And then I think it's important when you talked about the low sperm count and the issues with conceiving, if they're conceiving, you make sure um, we know the risks um, and the, that your patients are aware of that as well. Great. And, and you know, just to you know, kind of uh, you know, get into the, the tail end of this, this interview, um, you know, there's, there's, lots, there's lots of companies out there that have... Um, you know, cannabinoid, so-called cannabinoid sexual enhancement corrective remedies, you know, and and, and they're making claims. Um, are, are you guys aware of some of these claims? And then, you know, along with that, you know, there's, there's a, a number of companies, there's movie stars that are behind CBD-infused tampons for menstrual cramping and pain and 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 whatnot. What what are, what do you know, or what are your feelings about about that, um, Lisa? Why don't you go ahead and start? I've seen some of the publicity for the cannabis-infused tampons. I think it's definitely worth dedicating some research efforts to that. I don't know anyone who has used them. I do know that people have found success with vaginal suppositories. That's been helpful with menstrual cramps. And of course, they're usually worse for people with endometriosis. But I don't want anyone to think that this is, you know, the cure-all for everything. And just to reinforce what has been stated on your podcast multiple times is that everybody is different. And for example, if people are using cannabis to enhance a sexual you know, session together, what might be uplifting for one person might have the opposite effect on the other. And in terms of clinicians, what you were saying is they really need to make sure people who are new to cannabis start low and stay slow and that every clinician do some research and understand that there are interactions with some very commonly prescribed medications and that it's more the CBD than the THC that interacts from my understanding. And they just need to be cautious when they are speaking to their patients about it. Mindy, what are your thoughts on this? So I do, I do have a lot of thoughts on this. I, I believe there's a lot of confusion when it comes to CBD and THC tampons. Uh, um, I don't think a, a tampon is a, a terrible delivery system to deliver any sort of medication. Um, it is meant to absorb menstrual blood. And I think the confusion came from, we, had, we were using these um, vaginal suppositories that get inserted very similar to a tampon. So I think um, the suppositories are great. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the tampon that was actually had infused with CBD or THC. And I, I do think the, the suppositories can treat a number of things, um, endometriosis, dyspareunia. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of, of the suppositories. And then the, the other sexual enhancement remedies um, that I'm familiar with are those um, topical creams that are the, the THC pre-lubes. And I, I have had a lot of success with those. And 
um, those seem to be quite interesting to me. And, and I think based on um, how they were, I, I think that those are very interesting. And I think you'll see those more in the market. And, you know, one thing that, that I think is worth mentioning is, you know, we're, we're talking about a lot of mucous membranes here. You know, we've got them all over our body, in our mouth, you know, in the vagina, in, 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 in the rectal area, and they're not all the same. So you, we really shouldn't be promoting the idea that, you know, here's this suppository that's meant for rectal use and go ahead and insert it in, in other areas because it's not going to have the same effect. Yeah, I think something else to be very cautious of is whether or not these lubes are food grade. You know, if you're using it in the genital area, but then engaging in oral sex, you are putting that into your mouth and ingesting it in a way that it was not created or tested to be safe for. Great point. Great point. Well, uh, we're, we're coming along the tail end of this interview, but I wanted to you know, ask you, Mindy, do you have any final thoughts or you know, how can people get a hold of you? Um, yeah, so, so I am just working in Utah, so I'm working with the medical patients here. I do have a website, mindymedea.com, and um, I'm open to, I've done some consulting work with formulations. Um, I have a little bit of, um, interest in formulary design and processing, mostly because in my market, we don't have a lot of these um, products. So I'm hoping um, things are in the work where I'm going to expand and to make a, a woman's line that would be available just to the medical patients in Utah. And maybe hopefully someday when legalities change, it can be available everywhere. And yeah, I just, I, I would like to say um, as a final thought, that I think we sometimes don't realize how important sexual pleasure is to both our mental health and our physical health. And I, I think that we need to be advocates for, for women and men to be able to um, use medicines for this purpose. Great. Those are very good final thoughts. Um, Lisa. Yeah, I think it's important that we engage in conversation with people up to our comfort level, uh, with friends, with medical practitioners, to just raise awareness that this is an option in some states and will be in more soon to support people with sexual health. And we really need more research. So the more people are aware that this is a possible option, the more pressure hopefully there will be for more studies to be conducted so people can have a better sense of where to start when they want to start on this journey. Great, Lisa. And I think, you know, being realistic, uh, you know, when I was running my dispensary, you know, sexual health was never one of the approved conditions. And so most of the people walking in wanting consultations, it was never for, you know, sexual health or libido or anything like that. So I think, you know, we're sort of, you know, behind the, the eight ball here from the standpoint of people that are in the population that would like more information about cannabis for sexual health, but really can't walk into a dispensary because there's not an approved condition in that area. And there's probably not an informed person in that dispensary that can help them. So, you know, it's a dichotomy that I hope gets addressed in the future as you know, more legalization and more qualifying conditions get approved. So with that, uh, this is Joseph Friedman with the CRX podcast. Uh, this has been a great conversation. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Mindy. This was, this was fantastic. 
and um, signing off for now. And we look forward to additional wonderful topics based on articles in the CRX magazine. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. To find all the episodes from the CRX podcast, go to crxpodcast.com. To learn more about the latest advancements in medical cannabis, visit crxmag.com. That's crxmag.com. Thanks for listening.